Hello and welcome to this special episode of the Shakespeare and Company podcast in which I'll be looking back at our booksellers' favourite reads of the year. Some of these titles were published in 2022, others just happened to rise to the top of their respective to-read piles in the past 12 months, but they all come with the Shakespeare and Company stamp of approval. There's something for everyone here, from a rock star's autobiography to a novel about a 19th century translator's revolt to a classic of modern science fiction that spans something like a billion Earth years. But we're going to begin with some poetry, recommended by our bookseller Daria, who started with us earlier this year after moving from Ukraine to Paris. Daria has chosen Dancing in Odessa by the Ukrainian-American poet Ilya Kaminsky. It's Kaminsky's debut collection, first published in 2004, but has seen a new surge in interest as readers seek to understand more about Ukraine after the horrific Russian invasion in February. Daria writes, I somehow feel like I grew up in the same yard as Ilya walking hand in hand through Moldovanka, eating snow and watching our crazy neighbours. Suspended in the limbo of homesickness, as soon as I saw Odessa written in red letters on the cover, I knew that this book was meant for me. Making my way through its pages again and again, I found myself sinking into nostalgic memories. Once or twice in his life, a man is peeled like apples, writes Ilya. I can say that this year I was peeled to the core and this poetry collection was one of the few things that helped me to get through it. Odessa is a very special city, with such a rich history and culture, full of mysteries and legends and with a unique dialect and manner of talking, which traditionally draws on the city's Jewish culture. It takes an incredible talent to convey the city's spirit and mentality in words. And then Daria concludes in that somewhat enigmatic way for which we've all come to love her, soul equals pain plus everything else. That's Dancing in Odessa by Ilya Kaminsky, published by Faber. I've put a link to this and all the other books talked about in this episode in the show notes. Fiction continues to be the best-selling section here at Shakespeare and Company, and perhaps that's no surprise. With the insight it allows into the lives and minds of others, the way it can transport us to lost or fictional worlds, or show us our own world in a completely new light, it's an art form that has demonstrated an unrivaled flexibility and persistence. To kick off the selection of our booksellers' favourite novels they read in 2022, I'm going to hand over to Octavia, our operations manager, for this episode's first recorded contribution. Hello, my name is Octavia and my book of the year is Cleopatra and Frankenstein by Coco Mellors. Now, I normally avoid books where the characters are overly privileged and ruining each other's lives, but this one I picked up and I could not put down. It is a fantastically readable book about a half dozen characters in New York living their lives, ruining their lives and doing their best to ruin each other's. I would say if Lauren Groff and Marianne Keyes had a baby, this book would be the fruit. I promise you that there is a character in the middle that you will fall in love with and you will wish an entire book is written about. So that's Cleopatra and Frankenstein by Coco Mellors. I also read and greatly enjoyed Cleopatra and Frankenstein this year and had Coco as a guest on the podcast back in November. It was a really fun interview, so do scroll back in this feed if you'd like a listen. Another former Shakespeare and Company guest is two-time Pulitzer Prize winner Colson Whitehead, whose latest novel Harlem Shuffle was chosen by Nathan as his book of the year. Nathan writes, Harlem Shuffle so completely immerses you in its world that you won't want it to end. Carney, the main character, is so totally humane with his desires and ideals, and yet he lives in the same world you and I live in, one in which we are constantly forced to concede due to our personal realities, the families we were born into, and the society and environment in which we live. 
Set in the late 50s and early 60s, Harlem Shuffle is a page-turning crime novel as well as a social commentary, both of that time and our own. Staying in the United States, we move on to another novel that is set in the same epoch and the same state as Whitehead's blockbuster, The Underground Railroad. That's The Sweetness of Water by Nathan Harris, which was Aminata's pick of the year. Aminata says, There are very few novels that have moved me so deeply, and The Sweetness of Water by Nathan Harris is part of this privileged circle. Harris takes us through to the end of the Civil War. America has been torn apart. Two brothers, Prentice and Laundry, have been freed and decide to leave Old Ock City in Georgia. On their way, they meet George, a farmer who has just lost his son during the war. Friendship, family, racism, grief and love are some of the topics covered in this novel. Nathan Harris's writing truly transported me. The story was so well written that sometimes I wondered if the characters really existed. One of the strengths of this novel is the very rigorous development of each character. As a first novel, this is simply sublime. This year has also been a celebration of important literary centenaries. 1922 saw the appearance of T.S. Eliot's The Wasteland and Wittgenstein's Tractatus Logico-Philosophicus. Most significantly for us, however, was the publication by Sylvia Beach of James Joyce's Ulysses. We celebrated with a huge and slightly unhinged project which ran for the first six months of last year. Friends of Shakespeare and Company read Ulysses. At its heart was an unabridged audio recording of James Joyce's masterwork, read by more than a hundred writers, artists and performers, including Sally Rooney, Margaret Atwood, Stephen Fry, Eddie Izzard, Ben Ockrey, Holly McNish, Kay Tempest, Ethan Hawke, Pete Buttigieg, Bonnie Greer, Joanna Lumley and many, many, many more. Alongside this, with my co-conspirators Lex Paulson and Alice McCrum, we recorded Bloomcast, a ten-episode deep dive into Ulysses, with an eye to helping first-timers make it through and old-timers discover the book anew. So if you've ever started reading Ulysses and given up, or if you fancy seeing it with new eyes, just search for Friends of Shakespeare and Company Read Ulysses wherever you listen to your podcasts. A hundred years later, Ireland continues to punch above its weight in terms of great writers produced per head of population, and two of them make this year's list. First up, here's my colleague Neve. <laughs> Uh, hi, my name is Neve, um, and this is my pick of the year. So this is from a low and quiet sea, um, and it's by Donal Ryan. Um, so he is an Irish author, and he is from rural Ireland, like myself. Um, and this book is about three different men, all of whom are living in Ireland for different reasons. So the first one is a Syrian refugee. The second one is a young man who is about 19 um, and it takes us through his first heartbreak. And then the final man is a man in his 60s and he is in a confessional box talking to a priest. So it's set up in three monologues um, and you get to hear from each of these men and then at the end it kind of ties them all together. Um, and I just think it's such a beautiful book. It is very poetic, very well written. Um, I would highly recommend it for anyone who likes a short read because it's only about 180 pages long. Um, it has great Irish humour in it. It talks about the Irish landscape and everything. Um, and I think anyone who enjoys writers like Claire Keegan will really enjoy this book as well. Um, so yeah, it's a real favourite for me and it's one that I return to quite often. The other Irish book comes from north of the border, Trespasses by Louise Kennedy. It was chosen by Amy, who writes, Set against the backdrop of the troubles in 1970s Northern Ireland, Trespasses explores the repercussions of a romance between Kushla Lavery, a young Catholic woman, and a Protestant lawyer twice her age. Written with the kind of clarity and truth that comes when we're confronted with our own mortality, Kennedy began writing Trespasses after a melanoma diagnosis, it's hard not to believe that the searing honesty with which she writes was not prompted by her prognosis. 
a force of a novel replete with images and characters that linger long after the novel's end. Kennedy depicts Northern Ireland as volatile and fractured. It's a place where the vocabulary of a seven-year-old includes booby trap, incendiary device, nitroglycerin, petrol bomb. As Kennedy's own experience growing up in Northern Ireland during the Troubles is wrapped up in the novel, it lends itself as a haunting and powerful testimony to the impact of conflict and occupation on those living in Northern Ireland. Next up we have Kiran, who's chosen Cormac McCarthy's pair of interlinked novels The Passenger and Stella Maris. Um, I'm Kiran. I'm a bookseller in Shakespeare and Company. I've picked Cormac McCarthy's The Passenger and Stella Maris for my books of the year, uh, two distinct but interlinked books. They tell the story of Bobby Western, uh, a deep sea diver, and his sister Alicia, a doctoral student in mathematics. The Passenger starts off like a thriller, but isn't really. It's probably closer in feel to McCarthy's earlier novel, Sutri, in that it's uh, driven more by character than plot, and whatever violence there is mostly happens off camera. Um, as Bobby's life unravels, his story is told through conversations he has with his friends, mostly, and his inner monologue, which is how the book's broader themes of love and loss and family, philosophy, environment, identity, science and mathematics unfold. And alongside this, the descriptions of the Mississippi Delta give the novel a very strong sense of place. Then interspersed with Bobby's story, we're given glimpses into the mental dis- disintegration of his sister, Alicia. Stella Maris is Alicia's book, and it's much different in style. It's told completely in the form of a series of dialogues between Alicia, who's just checked into an insane asylum, and her psychiatrist. Despite this and the gloomy and tragic path Alicia is on, it's witty and highly readable. Both books are, actually. There is a clear distinction between both novels, but each one provides colour and shade for the other, and taken together, they provide a rich and complex story. They deal with weighty matters, but there's a lot of humour in both. And as for why I love them, well, they're Cormac McCarthy's first novels in 16 years. That's an event in itself for um, anybody who's read everything that he's written. Um, Both books are deep and mysterious, but they don't give up their mysteries easily. They're incredibly well written. All the characters, even the minor ones, have distinctive voices and jump off the page. And other than that, the man knows how to write a beautiful sentence. And this is the perfect gift for people who've read No Country for Old Men or The Road and want to experience a different side of Cormac McCarthy, people who like some depth and complexity in their reading, and people who like beautiful sentences. Morgan's Book of the Year is a real and persistent favourite amongst our team, and in fact was part of our Year of Reading subscription when it first came out. Open Water by Caleb Azuna Nelson. Morgan writes... Caleb Azuna Nelson's first novel is absolutely piercing, poetic and breathtaking. This book is poignant and it would be really neglectful just to call it a love story. It focuses on the difficulties the two protagonists go through, whether that's the racism they both face or just modern relationship issues. We meet two young people, both black and British. She is a dancer and he is a photographer. They meet at a party, become friends and then slowly the relationship deepens. As life goes on with its ups and downs, we become them. We live everything with them and through them. Words are sometimes not enough to describe what a book can do to you. The intensity of the writing is incredible. And then Morgan finishes her staff pick with a quotation from Open Water. Besides, sometimes to resolve desire, it's better to let the thing bloom. To feel this thing, to let it catch you unaware, to hold on to the ache. What is better than believing you are heading towards love? 
And next up is Luis, who has chosen a classic adventure story as his book of the year. Uh, hi, I'm Luis. Um, my pick of the year uh, will be King Solomon's Minds by Rather Eggert. Uh, I love the book not only because it was kind of a pioneer in the Lost City genre of books, but also because it's from an author I already knew. Really good, really fun. It's witty and for people that like adventure, I really think it's a must read. I told my father about it, I told my friends about it, and now it's kind of a classic in my circle of friends. So I think everyone should read it and um, uh, it talks about lost cities, lost civilization, um, love, friendship. So yeah, I think this will be my pick of the year. The final novel in our selection comes from Saoirse, who has chosen one of the most talked about books of this year, Babel or the Necessity of Violence, an Arcane History of the Oxford Translators' Revolution by R. F. Quang. Saoirse says, Babel is a beautifully written, heartbreaking story of belonging and sacrifice, of friendship and duty, and most importantly, of revolt. Set in 19th century Oxford, this monument of a novel follows Robin Swift as he becomes a student at the prestigious Royal Academy of Translation also known as Babel. But Babel is not just a story about Robin. Its breadth is huge. It explores not only academia, etymology and languages, but also colonialism, racism and misogyny in the British Empire. It's an intense and impactful story, both by the sheer amount of research detail and care put into it, and because of the complexities of its core characters. Four students marginalised by the people who claim to hold them in high regard, suffering in a society hostile to their very existence. All of which brings us neatly onto our next section, Books in Translation. It may come as little surprise to hear that in a team made up of booksellers from all over the world, in a city that has often been called the cultural crossroads of Europe, if not the world, we have a particular fondness for translated literature. We begin with Amanda, who has chosen The Hummingbird, the latest novel by the Italian writer Sandro Veronese, translated into English by Elena Pala. Amanda writes, Like the hummingbird flies... Sandro Veronetti's newest novel passes back and forth between past, present and future to piece together a rich fresco of life marked by innumerable twists of fate. Marco Carrera, tossed about by the universe's whims, can't let go of the past. His sister's death, avoiding death in a plane crash and his mysterious love, Luisa. Compassionate yet unrelenting, The Hummingbird is a touching ode to finding happiness and peace in an endlessly chaotic world. Next up we have Timothy who chose The Queens of Sarmiento Park by the Argentinian writer Camilla Sosa Villada. Translated by Kit Maud. Timothy says, Translated for the first time into English, Villada crafts a poetic novel that follows the daily struggles of a group of transgender and queer street hustlers. Embracing the Latin American tradition of magical realism, Villada's stunning prose is tragic and honest, yet full of hope and beauty as she explores themes of community, survival and otherness. Finally, for translated literature, Anthony has chosen a classic of modern science fiction, The Remembrance of Earth's Past Trilogy by Chinese visionary Sishin Liu. The series, which is sometimes known by the title of the first book, The Three-Body Problem, is translated by Ken Liu and Joel Martinson. Anthony writes, Sishin Liu has put forth a marvellous combination of history, humanity, science and philosophy, culminating in an epic tale, one which stays with you for a very long time. From the beginning of the three-body problem to the end of Death's End seems almost like going from the Earth to the end reaches of the universe. These books just make me look at the night sky a bit differently. 
This trilogy did more for me in terms of understanding the significance of a billion years than any scientific books or video ever could. There are so many crazy ideas in technology. I loved how it spanned so many generations and the culture was constantly shifting in believable ways. I wasn't sure exactly where to put the book chosen by our next contributor, because it seems to straddle several sections – fiction, non-fiction and translated literature. So before we move on to non-fiction, here comes Jen to recommend a book that is also one of my favourites of recent years. Hello, I'm Jen and I'm a bookseller in Shakespeare and Company. The book I like the most this year is uh, Swim in a Pond in the Rain by George Saunders. Uh, this book is a book on writing, reading and life. He is a teacher in creative writing in Syracuse University and here he chose his five favourite short stories to teach writing and what he does is he introduces the short story to you and then he puts his commentary on it so he allows you to first enjoy a short story that is great but then you like it and he helps you finding out why you like it and this is very interesting because the reason why you like it is not only because it's well written it's also because what it is talking about or showing is what humans care about so these writers wonder about the great questions on how should i live my life or what is god or how what is it that changes a human life and it is so engaging because the first story for example you start reading it he stops you at some point and asks what have you learned so far and what would you do now if you were the writer what is it that you could do in the story to make it interesting and it's so hard but then he's his attitude in the book is so humble, but so wise. And he talks about how a good writer should write from his best self, his most mature self. And you definitely feel that in the book. And as a person, we all have a voice. So we are all a writer of our own life. And he talks about how life or your writer's career become successful once you stop pretending to have a voice that is not yours and then you accept the failure of being yourself which is not as cool as being like Hemingway and then when you speak from that voice and you try to be your most mature self what you do is so honest that it's simply good so this book I would recommend it for anyone interested in reading enjoying reading, writing, or simply being a good person. George Saunders is another writer I was lucky enough to interview for the podcast this year. Do scroll back through the feed if you'd like a listen. In the year, we bid a sad farewell to Aggie, the bookshop cat. We begin our non-fiction selection with a new biography about the very queen of crime whose name she briefly borrowed, with Flora, our bookshop manager, recommending Lucy Worsley's Agatha Christie. Flora writes... What can make a more fascinating read for fans of mysteries than this latest biography of the Queen of Crime herself? Tracing a life that took Christie around the world through wars and personal traumas, biographer Lucy Worsley examines the forces that shaped this remarkable woman and the effect these forces had on her unparalleled body of work. 
from anecdotes about her being too shy to introduce herself to gain access to a party thrown in her honour, to stories of her time spent writing mystery novels in a hastily constructed room beside an archaeological dig, this book shares wonderful insights of a life authentically lived, one which changed the face of crime writing and popular literature forever. That was Agatha Christie by Lucy Worsley. And now here's Anne, our admin manager, with a slight change of tempo. Hi, my name is Anne. I'm the admin and HR manager at Shakespeare and Company here in Paris. And my book of the year is The Storyteller by Dave Grohl. Um, so Dave Grohl is the lead, lead singer of the band The Foo Fighters, and he was previously also in Nirvana. Uh, the book is really, really fun to read. Um, actually, Dave Grohl, I don't know if you're familiar with him, is a really fun character. And you actually feel like you're having a beer with him and he's telling all these stories about how he um, started in music, started in Nirvana, started a new, this huge band called the Foo Fighters afterwards. And it's really, really a fun read. Uh, I would highly recommend it for people who are in love with music, but also just people who are really curious on how you can become one of the biggest rock star in the world. So I'm a Foo Fighters fan, so I might not be the best, <laughs> the best person to say it's not a good book, but it is a really good book. And I've actually shared it with people who are not big Foo Fighters fans and they really enjoyed it as well. So... I really recommend it to anybody. Next up is Celia, who has chosen a book from one of our favourite indie publishers, Fitzcarraldo. That book is The Naked Don't Fear the Water by Mathieu Aikens. Celia says, After years working for the US and Afghanistan, Omar makes the agonising decision to flee for Europe as the political situation intensifies in his home country. Acclaimed war journalist and friend Mathieu Aikens joins Omar undercover on the smuggler's route west. When finally they set off, Omar promises to find a new life where his beloved Layla can join him one day. However, the dangerous route tests their strength and friendship. An outstanding work that gives the reader first-hand insight into the perilous realities of the refugee trail a heartbreaking yet hopeful tale of friendship, love and crossing borders. This is a powerful story that stayed with me long after I finished reading it. Back to music again with Alex, our resident jazz artist, and indeed the composer of all the music you've heard in this podcast. If you want to listen to more of his work, you can buy or download his album Play It Gentle from your favourite music delivery service. But what book floated Alex's boat the highest this year? Hi, I'm... um... Alex Freiman, I work here at Shakespeare and Company, and I manage the secondhand and vintage book department. And today I would like to talk to you about this fantastic book uh, named Griot, which is a collection of interviews of contemporary jazz musicians by the incredible trumpeter Jeremy Peltz. This book is absolutely fantastic for many reasons. First of all, um, this is in the tradition of interviews of artists, so here jazz musicians, by a master jazz musician, Jeremy Pelt. And um, some of the entries here, um, you'll find some uh, seasoned jazz artists, such as Harold Mayburn or Louis Hayes, but also um, younger people from the from today's um, contemporary scene, like uh, Esperanza Spaulding, Jonathan Blake, and so forth and so on. Um, this is a real insight into jazz music specifically, but also 
um, I think very interesting for anybody who uh, likes jazz or music in general because it's also about the daily life and the aspirations, the spiritual endeavors and the challenges of jazz musicians in general. Um, so yeah, go ahead and buy it. Our final title in the non-fiction section comes from the bookshop's owner, Sylvia Whitman. She has chosen The Climate Book by Greta Thunberg. Sylvia writes, In this essential, revealing, brilliant and timely book, Greta Thunberg gathers together over 80 voices, specialists in their area, to create a book that encompasses all the new and relevant facts on climate change and what this crisis means for the ecology as well as sustainability. It covers everything from fast fashion to the loss of species, from pandemics to vanishing lands, from deforestation to the loss of fertile soils, from water shortages to indigenous sovereignty, from future food production to carbon budgets. And it lays bare the actions of those responsible and the failures of those who should have already shared this information with the citizens of the world. As Thunberg puts it in her introduction, science is a tool and we all need to learn how to use it. And that's about it except for the fact that I haven't given you my choice. It's so hard to choose a favourite from the four dozen or so new titles I read this year, although eagerly listeners to previous podcasts might already have an idea of the book I'm going to choose. It's the novel Fight Night by the brilliant Miriam Taves. Here's what I said about it when I welcomed Miriam onto the podcast. Fight Night is, in a quite literal sense, a love letter to mothers and daughters and grandmothers and granddaughters. Told from the perspective of nine-year-old Swiv, newly expelled from school, She's having to deal with the imminent upheavals of the birth of a sibling and the declining health of her beloved grandma. With Swift's opening words, Dear Dad, how are you? I was expelled. Readers are drawn into the chaotic, ramshackle, but love and life-filled world of this family. A world in which the only way through is to fight. To paraphrase one of the characters, Fight Night brings readers into full body contact with the absurd. It's also a book that forces those describing it into the most effusive cliché, virtuosic, life-affirming, wickedly funny, and yet which itself evades cliché on every level. If you're anything like me, Fight Night will make you laugh out loud from the pit of your belly and it will probably make you cry, although they might not be the kind of tears you recognise. All of which is what makes it my book of the year. And that's it. Thanks so much for listening to this and all our other podcasts over the last 12 months. 2023 will be the year when, after the pandemic and long-delayed building works, we finally begin in-store events again. So do keep an eye on our newsletter, or sign up for it by clicking the link in the show notes. Thank you for listening. I hope you all spend happy and restful book-filled holidays, and I'll see you again in 2023. Thank you for listening to the Shakespeare and Company podcast. If you've enjoyed this conversation, it would be great if you could help us spread the word by reviewing or rating us in your favourite app, or just by sending the link to your friends. And don't forget, if you'd like even more from Shakespeare and Company, you can subscribe now through Apple Podcasts or Patreon for just €3 a month. Links to both are available in the show notes to this episode. Production of this podcast is all done in-house here at Shakespeare and Company Paris. All music is by Alex Fryman, whose album Play It Gentle is available to buy or stream wherever you listen. We'll be back soon. Until then, take care and thanks again for listening.